What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome, welcome. This is the Two Minute Drill. It's going to be a one-man show this week. Uh, James Grande is dealing with a personal matter, so he is unable to join. So you are stuck with me. It is a one-man, a one-dan show. We'll go with that. Uh, we're going to kick it off this week, recapping the biggest news uh, and fantasy relevant, uh, I guess, implications following Week 15, heading into Week 16. Some very odd performances in Week 15. Hopefully you locked up that first-round bye in your fantasy football league. But let's kick it off. As a Patriots fan, I want to lead with the uh, the debacle that was the Patriots' loss against the Las Vegas Raiders. Two things to talk about here. One is going to be the Keelan Cole touchdown late in the game that tied it up. The second will obviously be the Jacoby Myers uh, interception slash fumble slash what the hell was he thinking. Uh, but we're going to start off with the Keelan Cole touchdown. And this might surprise people. And while I am 99% sure that Keelan Cole's foot was out of bounds on that play, I think it was the right call by the NFL to hold up the touchdown. A lot of Patriots fans are going to disagree with me. But we just watched the 2022 World Cup end. And they have VAR technology that can tell you if a guy's fingernail is offsides. And here we are towards the end of this season for the NFL. And we're still relying on one camera angle. And the image was blurred. I understand. To me, yes, it looks like the foot is out of bound. But at the same time, when a referee whose job is required and needs indisputable evidence to overturn a call, a blurred image is not going to give you 100% confidence to overturn a call. It sucks. I don't think it should have been a touchdown. But at the same time, I don't think the NFL should have reversed it. Uh, Both things can be true. It's not 100% clear. And the NFL... Has, is a multi-billion dollar a year industry, and they're still relying on... They do almost nothing to enhance their technology to make sure that the right call is, is, is made. I can't believe that the only angle that we have of Keelan Cole's foot is just one blurred image. And even if you try to blow it up, it's still kind of blurry to begin with. So I don't think that there's an issue with that touchdown. Now, all the Patriots needed to do was just take a knee, get tackled on that final play, and they go to overtime against the Raiders. I don't understand why they tried to even run any kind of trickery because I'm <clears throat> I'm more pissed about this than the, than the Keelan Cole touchdown. I was fuming. My dogs were terrified of me by the, the amount of F-bombs that I dropped in my own apartment. Uh, their safety was not in any danger, but they were hiding under the bed, and I felt terrible. Had a noise complaint called on me by one of my neighbors. Um, apologize because I was, I was being a bit of an idiot at the time. But this is also a team that over the last two weeks has seen players become very critical of the play calling. Uh, Mac Jones in particular has said he wants to be coached harder. The players have have gone out of their way to ask for more from the coaching staff. They want to get more creative on offense. And then when all you need to do is just go to overtime, just simply not let the other team score, and Jacoby Myers with the ball in his hands hurls it 20 to 30 yards towards his own end zone to basically where Mac Jones has to play safety against a defensive lineman. Terrible decision, obviously. It's his fault. Uh, if And if the Patriots can say all they want, like it's a team game, whatever, we should have never been in that position. It's Jacoby Myers' fault. You know, this is the worst loss in the Patriots franchise history. It's, it's a calamity of errors. At least when the Dolphins won on a fluky, you know, lateral play four years ago when, when – you know, Bill Belichick sent Rob Gronkowski onto the field to play safety because they were anticipating, you know, a Hail Mary. At least when that play happened, they went on to win the Super Bowl a few months later. This team is nowhere close to landing a Super Bowl. Uh, I understand, like, we were due for a few awful years when Tom Brady left. We're in the third year of that. 
But this is the kind of mistake that I expect the Jets to make. Or the Colts, who blew a 33-point lead to the Vikings over the weekend. This is this is a poverty franchise move, and it's so unbecoming of a Bill Belichick coach team that it's the most embarrassing loss in Patriots history. I don't have a problem with the Keelan Cole touchdown standing up. I do have a problem with mental errors, because Bill Belichick prides himself on his players being prepared, and this shows a lack of preparation for a bunch of players that wanted more coaching or, or more from the coaching staff in terms of creative play calling. You think they're going to lengthen that leash after this embarrassing loss no it's back to the stone age this team is just it's so frustrating because i endured i had 20 years of of football fandom bliss and now i have to gotta watch this over and over for the next week until the patriots lose their next game but to more fantasy relevant news jalen hurts is dealing with a shoulder injury and while he hasn't been ruled out for Saturday's game against the Cowboys, it's more than likely he's going to sit. I don't think that it's going to end his season. I do think that we probably see him back in Week 17 or 18 if, if he can play. Uh, let's see. Philly has a three-game lead on their division in the NFC East. They have a two-game lead for the top seed in the NFC in that coveted first-round bide. Uh, they can afford to rest him for one game if they need to. Uh, and if you're going to do it, why not do it against the uh the league's best pass rush in the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the sprained shoulder is to Hurts' throwing arm, um, so give him a week off. See if it's better next week. If not, you know maybe you bring him back week 18. I don't think the Eagles should give him too much rest if he can play because if we're talking you know, sitting him for the next three weeks, then he has to sit for a first-round bye. He's getting almost a month off. Then you get the, the debate between rest versus rust. Uh, is, this, is it good? Is it bad? Uh, I'd like to see him just get in there, get some uh, get some reps in, really test the shoulder, see how it feels. But the thing is, is that this week, if they have to start Gardner Minshew, it's a tough matchup, but he's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. I don't think this is a huge downgrade to players like A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith is still a low-end wide, wide receiver, too, so you're still probably starting him with some confidence. A.J. Brown doesn't get downgraded that much. He, I still think he's a top... 12 wide receiver this week, even against Dallas. Um, Dallas Goddard, if he returns to this game, I think you probably have to start him anyway, and it's not so much that I think the matchup is good. Grande and I have talked over and over about how the tight end landscape just absolutely sucks. Uh, so either way, if he's activated, he's almost a top 12 tight end by default, probably top 10 as well. Um, I'm going to consider Gardner Minshew a top 15 to top 18 fantasy quarterback option, and that's just strictly from a game flow perspective. You know, if the, if the Cowboys are putting up points, the Eagles have to do something to try and keep pace. Um, and really, when I say top 15 to 18 fantasy quarterback option, that's about as many fantasy points as I'm hoping I can get if I have to stream Gardner Minshew this week. Uh, sticking with, I guess, a little theme in, in continuing our discussion about the Cowboys, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars shocked the Cowboys in overtime. My comments last week did not age well. I expected the Jaguars to turn into a pumpkin this week, and for the first half, I looked like I was right. I was kind of leaning back in my chair, feeling good about that. And then they came out in the second half, made me look like a jackass. Uh, they surprised me with the overtime win over Dallas. Trevor Lawrence looks to be making that next step in his progress as an NFL quarterback. Travis Etienne looks like he's returned to the player he was before he had that foot injury. Um, and honestly, there might be a three-headed passing attack emerging in this offense with Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk. 
Uh, I think all three of them had at least eight targets this week. Zay Jones had another monstrous game. Evan Ingram was still a good fantasy play. You know, you I think if you started him this week, you weren't necessarily chasing what he did last week. Uh, there was no way he was going to replicate that again. But, you know, still had a very productive uh, week in fantasy. I want to say in PPR formats, he had 14 points. Um, so while I'm going to eat my words on the Jags being frauds, what I've said two or three times now this year, I'll sleep comfortably with my Jaguars 7-1 ticket to win the AFC South. Uh, if I have to poo-poo on them the rest of the season to lock in that win, I'll do it. I'll make money even when I'm wrong. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, the other team in the AFC South, they are a bit of a sinking ship. Uh, if it wasn't for, for the Patriots' embarrassing loss, we're probably talking about the Titans or more about the Colts this week. Um, they've lost four straight games. They've seen the division lead shrink to just one game, and the Jaguars are a team that's trending in the right direction, while the Tennessee Titans are trending in the wrong direction. Uh, Tennessee has to finish the season against the Texans, Cowboys, Jaguars. The Jags finish the, against the Jets, Texans, and the Titans. That Week 18 matchup is going to be crucial. It's going to be awesome. Don't be surprised to see it flexed into primetime if that game really does determine who is the AFC South champion. Um, the Titans aren't a difficult team to figure out. They will give Derrick Henry the ball about 25 times per game. So it's wise to stack the box if you're on the other end of the defense. But without Traylon Burks, they don't really have a great aerial attack despite the emergence of Chicken Conquo. Uh, firing John Robinson after the A.J. Brown revenge game has done very little to right the Titans' ship. I mean, that was only you know their second loss in as many games. Now that's rolled on to four straight games. Um, it's not hard to see this team finishing with an 8-9 and nine record after they started 7-3. and three. A lot of people consider um, Mike Vrabel one of the best coaches in the NFL. And if I, I think this is a massive hit to his reputation. If the team starts 7-3 and three and they finish 8-9, and nine, potentially outside the playoffs. Uh, bad luck. Uh, he's, he's been in, he's always in, you know, NFL Coach of the Year conversations. In no way would he deserve it this year if they, if they blow this lead in the AFC South and, and the Jaguars sneak in. Uh, but let's go to another team that landed a huge win Sunday night. The Giants now have a 90% chance of making the playoffs after beating Washington on Sunday on a huge goal line stand. I didn't really watch the game live. I had to catch the highlights. Uh, Monday morning. But after some relatively mediocre weeks, Saquon Barkley returns to form, 87 rushing yards, a touchdown, and five catches on eight targets to help his fantasy managers move on to the semifinals. You know, Daniel Jones, there's a lot of discussions about his contract in the upcoming season. Uh, Grande and I have briefly talked about it before, where it's likely that he's also franchise tagged. I, um, I don't know the details if he can. I'm pretty sure he can. Uh, but a big line of improvement for Jones in 2022 has been his lack of turnovers. Uh, and in the NFL, if you're not a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, if you're not a superstar, you can get work and be a competent quarterback just by not giving the ball to the defense. He hasn't thrown an interception in his last four games, and he has just two over his last 11 games. The passing volume is not incredibly high, but as long as you're winning games and you're not giving the defense any turnovers, you're going to do fine in the NFL. Now, I am curious as to where they go over the next few years because you get the sense like they do want a high-ceiling quarterback, someone in the next couple drafts like maybe like Drake May, Caleb Williams. But if they keep winning, they're not going to have that draft capital. Uh, it is. I am very intrigued to see what they do with Daniel Jones. Keep in mind, Eli Manning was not exactly a world-beater at quarterback, and they still won two Super Bowls with him. Can they do that with Jan Daniel Jones? Maybe. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins returns on Saturday, and he's arguably a top 15 running back the next few weeks. Uh, Lamar Jackson's status is still in question. 
So Dobbins does seem safe to assume a commanding role as a lead rusher in this offense, let alone as a lead running back. Uh, he's logged back-to-back -back games with at least 120 rushing yards with 29 touches in those two games. Gets a matchup against the Falcons coming up Christmas Eve. That could lead to a big performance for Dobbins once again. The Dirty Birds in the uh, NFC South are allowing 130 yard, 30 rushing yards per game. That number inflates to 170 rushing yards per game over the last five games. So you are not sitting J.K. Dobbins. I do not want to see any questions about him in the NFL season on Discord. You are starting him at flex if you have two better options. Let's go to Arizona, where the Cardinals have lost six of their last seven games and are officially playing for draft picks now. Kyler Murray, done for the year. Colt McCoy left Sunday's game with a concussion, and that spells awful news for the weapons in this offense if Trace McSorley steps in as the starter. James Conner will still see about 15 to 20 carries. It's a firm must-start as an RB2. Uh, McSorley in... I'm going to struggle to say that name, but McSorley in relief of Colt McCoy completed 7 of 15 passes and threw two interceptions. Uh, I don't think there's any way you can start Marquise Brown with confidence, so if you feel inclined to do so, please bench him. Uh, he's likely going to be a sit from my fantasy teams. I do own him in two leagues. Uh, I don't have any confidence that McSorley can get the ball to him as a deep threat. The tougher read is going to be DeAndre Hopkins, and I imagine in most leagues you probably start him especially if you also have you know, someone like Tyler Lockett who broke his finger. Uh, great route runner. He can make contested catches. But I don't know if we're going to see the double-digit targets if he's drawing more attention. You're obviously going to be looking for more shorter routes since McSorley, as I mentioned with Marquise Brown, not a great deep ball thrower. Uh, let's take a quick look at the Week 16 waiver wire before I wrap it up. Apologies for the one-man show being much, more, much shorter than when Grande and I are in here, you know, just ranting back and forth and breaking NBA starting lineup news. Uh, but with Jonathan Taylor going down, Zach Moss and Deion Jackson are probably the two running backs that are going to garner the most attention. Uh, Taylor left after just two snaps, so obviously if you're a fantasy manager, that sucks. It's going to happen. You know, it always seems like, you know, luck is a big part of fantasy football, but it seems like bad luck strikes us more than good luck. And this is definitely a case, if you, st if you started Jonathan Taylor, you were starting him without question. And it certainly does suck that he leaves the game after two snaps, and that likely ends his season as well. But between you know Moss and Jackson, who do we want? Moss played 53 of 79 snaps, 25 of those snaps on passing plays, and finished with 81 yards on 24 carries. Jackson, on the other hand, played 25 of 79 snaps, 11 snaps on passing plays, and finished with 55 yards on 13 carries, and he did catch a one-yard touchdown pass. Uh, with Taylor likely done for the year, I would likely target Moss over Jackson, but I think Jackson does have a slight edge in PPR formats. Uh, Tyler Algier uh, out of Atlanta, if he's available, probably only a shallow league grab, but he looks to be heavily involved for the Falcons going forward. Uh, this team has been run heavy all season long, and, and honestly, that's not going to change. They have a rookie quarterback under center now. They've been a run-heavy team even when Marcus Mariota was uh, running the offense. Even when this team has been down two or three possessions, they've still been committed to the run. I doubt that. <laughs> I highly doubt that changes this late in the year. Uh, but there's going to be plenty of work for both Cordero Patterson and Algier. Uh, he totaled 139 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries. It's a tough matchup against the Ravens. Uh, so he's likely just going to be in flex consideration unless you're really hurting at running back. Um, another guy I think we can consider is someone like Marquise Goodwin out of Seattle. Tyler Lockett broke his finger. Um, and as mentioned above, uh, Gardner Minshew, he uh, 
He's probably the quarterback to grab if you need a streaming quarterback. The good thing is that in your fantasy league, if you made the playoffs and there are others that are out, there there should be just common courtesy of letting the remaining playoff teams have the the pick of who they want to grab off waivers. Um, if you're out of it, just be kind. Let let the teams that are still contending uh, get priority over the waiver clamps. That's just that's just fantasy football decency right there. Uh, but apologies for the one-man show this week. Grande, hopefully, will be back next week. Uh, but best of luck to you all in week 16. Hope to see you all moving on to your fantasy football championships.